Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good to be with you today. I uh, hope you had a good week, and um, today we, um, <clears throat> we continue on. Let, oh, before I start uh, today's message, let me just uh, remind you that... Um, Remember last year before the pandemic, we were going to plant Ab Church for young adults. Remember that one? Well, that's going to go full bore on Easter Sunday. Yeah, so <clears throat> now um, they they found a location to start, um, and uh, so um, be praying for that. Uh, if you're watching online or here, if you had committed to that to help out, please follow up in your commitment because I know from experience to start a church. From the ground up, uh, it's like, uh, you ever watch the Apollo missions back when? That first set of thrusters to get it off the ground? It's like that, guys. It's everything you got and more for about the first three years. It's a very difficult thing. So it's even more difficult now in this pandemic when a lot of people are kind of uh, fearful. And so he's going to go for it, and we're going <clears> to <throat> plant this church uh, starting sep- uh, April 4th on Easter Sunday morning, so be praying for them. They're very young. These leaders are very young, but they're going to go for it. And um, I was 35 when we started this from my house, and my son will be 20, he's 27, and so I can't even imagine at 27 starting a church. So be praying for them, because it's going to take a lot to get it off the ground. Amen? Amen. Uh, We're going to talk about who is Jesus today. And last week, um, as I'm doing this Easter anthology series, um, uh, I started with this message that um, <clears throat> you need God to have miracles, and therefore if there's miracles, there is resurrection. But if there is no God, there are no miracles, and if there's no miracles, there's no resurrection. And I started that way because I want to get to April 4th, and I want to talk about why I believe in the resurrection and the, wit- and the evidence for these things. But I wanted to start with the evidence for God or for a creator. And that's why last week I I just started with a verse or three verses, but one in particular, the first one in the entire scriptures. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And from there, I just put that verse aside for now. And I I saw and I showed you what science has found out, what scientists have found out, Nobel Nobel Prize winners and everything, including Einstein saw this, that the universe did have a beginning. It's not eternal. And so there was a beginning point when everything... Big Bang or whatever you want to call it came into existence where everything wound this thing up and it's winding down now. Uh, a couple Nobel Prize winners, Penzias and Wilson, also saw remnant heat from that uh, Big Bang from the original moment when time, space, and matter came into being. Uh, and, it, and, and, and looking at that, it would take a timeless, spaceless, immaterial being of supernatural power to start this thing. <clears throat> and so... That's what I try to show, that they, they've, they found out that there was a beginning of the universe. Now, the question is, what started this thing? Now, I believe it's God, the supernatural being. I believe it, that science backs up the scriptures now. And more and more archaeology and science, they seem to back up the scriptures as they go along. Now, <clears throat> before I get into this whole thing about who is Jesus, I, there's a lot of little side shots I want to take this morning because I, I don't know if it's the older I get but I want to make sure that you are prepared to reason out why you believe what you believe in any arguments coming at you because 
There is so much attack on the Word of God, and it's been that way since Genesis chapter 3. There's always an attack on the Word of God. There's always an attack on our faith. And you and I may fall into those things sometimes and may say some things that are, that's not scriptural right there. So let's be careful with some things. So two of the biggest attacks that we find on Christianity, one is it's supernaturalism. That there's a world beyond this world. Jesus says, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Now, this attack on this supernaturalism, like miracles, etc., it's not new. It's not new at all because the Pharisees in the book of Acts, I'm sorry, the Sadducees in the book of Acts, they did not believe in a heaven or angels or afterlife at all. They were religious, what you call naturalists. They, they think this is all there is, nothing beyond it. That's weird, a religious naturalist. So there's an attack right there on those things. <clears throat> but the biggest attack that you will find in your life, maybe, is Christianity's exclusive claim. What do we mean by that? Well, in Acts 4.12, it says there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Christianity is exclusive. It states that this is the only way that you get to heaven. It's the only way that you get to God. Now, there's an attack on that. And one of the things I like to tell you, and you've heard me say this multiple times, and I want to make you get get this in you. They say that all religions are the same. Have you heard that statement before somewhere? Well, it's just not true because all religions are fundamentally different and at best superficially similar. But the difference between Christianity, among other things, is that all religions in this world except Christianity, their statement is you've got to do good deeds to get to heaven or paradise or whatever their concept is. But the question as I've trained you to do, and I do this whenever somebody approaches me in that or when a, a pair of people come to my door, I always get them to the point to, to admit, because that's what they believe, that you've got to do good works to get to heaven or whatever their concept of heaven is. And then I ask the question, how many good works is enough? How good is good enough? You've got to get to that question right there. Is it 150? Is it 500? Is it 1,000? Is it 1,200? Because they cannot answer the question, because an incorrect presupposition that you, that you can get to heaven by good works. But all religions make that statement, except Christianity. Christianity says that you can never be good enough to get to heaven, that you need a Savior come down to earth who's going to save you and I. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, let me give you one example of how different these things are when people say, well, all religions are the same. Let's take uh, the Koran and Muhammad. <clears throat> he wrote, Muhammad wrote, get this, he wrote 600 years after the crucifixion. He never, ever went to Jerusalem. And here's what he says about Jesus Christ on the cross. He says, They didn't kill Christ Jesus, only a likeness that was shown to them. Surely they killed him not. Does that sound like all religions are the same? He's saying they didn't even kill Jesus. He's saying it wasn't even Jesus. That it was a likeness, something that looked, somebody looked like him. And so right then and there, you see a big fundamental difference uh, between Christianity and just, and just the Koran. And so all these religions, they're not the same. Christianity is exclusive in its claim that you and I are saved by what we believe in God and the grace of God, Jesus Christ, come down. Now, we pointed out last week, once again, that everything points to something began this thing. Something created everything. And as I weave in and out of this, you're going to hear me make statements again. Some I made last week. I'll make them again. I'll make them in the future because I want you to get it. Because we live in a day when we've got to be able to not argue our faith, but reason out logically our faith. Does that make sense? Because I think our faith is very rational and very logical. 
And it has plenty of eyewitness to our faith. Okay, so I want you today, turn to John chapter 1, if you would. One of the great books of the New Testament, the fourth gospel, written by an eyewitness, John, who walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw him crucified, saw him die, and then saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, verse 1 through 14, and by the way, if you've ever read the Gospel of John, you will notice something, hopefully, that it begins in chapter 1, it's almost a replay of Genesis 1, it's the creation. And then in chapter 2, you get to a wedding in Cana. Isn't that interesting? Starts with creation and then gets to a wedding. Well, in Genesis, you start with creation in chapter 1, and then when you get to Genesis, you get to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Any amens on that? So you see parallels like this through Scripture. It's really interesting stuff. Now, I'm going to read 14 verses. I'm going to read them rather deliberately because I just think there's 14 of the greatest verses. And it says this. And then we're going to go back and dissect it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. In other words, the creation did not recognize its creator. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now he begins to reach out to everyone, the way it was spoken to Abraham in Genesis 12, that you would reach all nations. The way the prophecy came when Mary was impregnated was that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Now he would come to everyone. Verse 13. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Let me pause and say, not of blood, just because your family's Christian, this this case, just because you're Jewish doesn't mean anything. Nor the will of the flesh, You can't do enough good works to get to heaven. It's an impossibility. Or the will of man. No one can force anyone to believe anything. But born of God. To be saved, you must be born of God. Born of the Spirit. And then verse 14, one of the great verses. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt is the word tabernacle, tented among us. And we saw, notice what John says, we saw. He's an eyewitness to the event. Your best witness in court is an eyewitness. And we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus isn't just 50% grace and 50% truth. He's 100% truth and 100% grace. Some of us get that a little skewed. We think we got to be 100% truth and let people have it. Some of us go the other way, 100% grace, and let anything slide. you got to have both. And if you think about those two terms, and 100%, as you read the Gospel of John, you see it in action. It's an amazing thing to watch. So here we go. I'm going to give you three things today about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And I'm going to do a lot of little shortcuts in the middle of it. Does that sound like a plan? Yes or no? Okay, good, because I didn't hear too much. And I have one good ear, one half ear, okay? Here we go. First off, Jesus is the Word. I'm sure most of you knew that already. Maybe some of you didn't. But verses 1 and 2 again, we're going to go back and read certain verses in the 14th verse. It says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now the question is, how do I know that in verse 1, when it talks about the Word, how do I know that the Word is Jesus and Jesus is the Word? I showed it to you already. I'll show it to you again. Verse 14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who became flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus did. So now you see the Word becomes flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw John, eyewitness, along with the other disciples, and 500 people after the resurrection, we saw His glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now we find that Jesus, He is this Word. He is the one that walked among us. Now, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, don't make the mistake of saying, oh, He had a beginning. No, He didn't. The idea there is simply that He always was. Jesus always existed. There was no starting point for Him. We know that he took a body a couple thousand years ago, but he always was. Because we read in those verses that he is the creator. He created everything. He always was. Now, let me give you some interesting things, and I'm going to give you some side shots here. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word, which we know is Jesus, the word was God, and the word was with God, right? Remember that? How is God with God? God was with God. What what does that even mean? It's telling you from the get-go in John chapter 1, a word that we use, you don't find it in the Bible, a word called the Trinity. Meaning that we know there's three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in the one Godhead. Now it's telling you here that God is, is, is a fellowship. Now, someone might say three persons in one Godhead, that's just too complex to understand. I, I, I don't, you know, I... Wait a minute here. Stop. How complex are you? Have you ever looked at somebody and said, I don't get that person? You ever done that? You ever done that to your spouse? You know why? Because they're complex. 
Have you ever said to yourself, I don't get myself? You ever done that? Because you're very complex. So you don't throw things out just because of complexity. See, just because we cannot fully explain and understand three persons, one Godhead, God is complex. You don't throw it all out. We live in a finite mind, and God is infinite. Any amens on that? Now, if you think God was with God, this is a big deal now that John is stating to us because God is a fellowship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And what's great about that is this, because later on, it says, to as many as received him. We read that. In other words, God is a fellowship of three, but he invites anyone who wants to, to as many as received him, they can come in to that fellowship with God. Did you catch that? You're allowed to come in fellowship with God. That's an amazing thing. Let me tell you, in Genesis 1, when it says that every human was created in the image and likeness of God, among being of higher intellectual capacity and moral, you have morals in your life above everything else, one of the things about that is that God spoke in the beginning and then God said, let there be light and there was light. And then God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. One of the things about the fellowship and being created in God's, God's image is this, that God can speak to every human on this planet. Any amens? That's, that's one of the great things about being created in the image and the likeness of God. That elevates us above the animals. But you can know God personally. I had no, hardly any thinking about God in my life. I never thought about it. I remember one thought I had when I was about 15. And my, you know what my thought was? I, I, know, I remember thinking this. But this is the only thing I can remember thinking about God. I, I remember thinking... I believe there's a God, but I, who's Jesus? And I remember thinking that. But other than that, I couldn't tell you I had many thoughts about God ever. And then on August 12, 1979, that evening, Sunday evening, when I committed my life to Christ, and now I, in the aftermath, I understand the Holy Spirit came into my life. From that moment on, my thinking, and I'm not exaggerating, is dominated with God thoughts. Does anybody know what that feels like? No, raise your hand. I, I want to know. Your thinking is dominated by God thoughts. Why is that? Because the moment the Spirit of God came into you, your mind is Holy Spirit user-friendly. Now you are in that fellowship to as many as received Him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now we join in that fellowship. Any amens? And you are of God's highest creation. God can speak to you. He can put impressive things upon your mind and your, uh, your, your, mind and your heart. You validate it by the Word of God. Now, Jesus is the Word. Now, the second thing we're going to see today is this. The Word slash Jesus caused all things to exist. Everything to exist. Now, watch verse 3. All things. Say all things. All things came into being through Him. Him is the Word. Him is Jesus. And apart from Him, nothing, nothing, nothing came into being. Then it's come into being. Nothing has come into being. It all came into being through Jesus Christ. Now, we've already stated from last week in the beginning here that it's proven that this universe had a beginning. It started someplace. You know, space, time, and matter started. Boom, here we go. There was nothing before that. But there are still scientists out there, even though the evidence that something had to have kick-started this thing, they will say that everything started from nothing, period. It just started on its own, from nothing. The problem is this, and you got to remember this. How do you get something from nothing? Is that logical? Is it rational? 
It's not. It's not. Now, what did I tell you last week about when somebody says, oh, it all started from nothing, especially if a scientist says that. What did I tell you last week? Anybody remember? And this is why I must repeat myself. <laughs> when they say, the ones who do not believe, they're not theists, they don't believe in God. When they say that the universe started from nothing, do they mean nothing? Do you remember what I said last week? Do they mean nothing? They don't mean nothing. They mean that there still is something. They're not going to tell you that, though. And I use the illustration of Stephen Hawking. Remember the illustration? Stephen Hawking said, and he writes in his book, he says, because we have gravity, therefore the universe could be created from nothing. I have a question. Is gravity something or is it nothing? It is something. So you got to get to those questions, and then you ask him, okay, who created gravity? How did that get here? See, you have to think like this, and it's very logical, is it not? It's very logical, it's very rational to think like that. Now, there's a creator, and Jesus created all things. All things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing has come into being. Now, let me, let me give you some... Once again, if you ever face the questions, and, and part of my job, I think, now is to prepare you for these things, especially in this world we live in. <clears throat> Somebody might ask you, you believe in a creator? Yes, creator, Jesus Christ. And they're going to say, then who created your creator? Is that a valid question? No, it's not. Think of the assumption within the question. What are they assuming about Jesus? That he was created. See, when somebody says, then who created your creator? What do you need to say at that moment? You say this. I don't believe in created gods. Those are called idols, right? You got to listen to the questions. I do not believe in a created God. Those are called idols. If you think about Exodus and the 10 plagues that came down in Exodus through Moses from God, do you know what those plagues were aimed at? Every one of their false gods. Every one of them. And God was showing him that idols and false gods are not really gods. That was one of the greatest examples that there is one God and all these false idols, they're just false. Now, if somebody ever says the question, who created your creator? You say, I don't believe in uh, created gods, those are idols. I believe in the God, one God of the whole smash. He made everything. Then you turn the question back. Are you listening? Turn it back, and you, and you look at them, and you say, so you believe the universe created you? Yes. You say, then who created your creator? They can't answer the question. They can't give you a reason on who created their creator, the universe. And you want to get really in their craw? Anybody want to get in there? Okay, let me give you this one. <clears throat> Then you, now listen, listen close. You, you know, you got to say, you got to say it certain ways. You go, okay, so you believe the universe created you, right? Yes. So you believe that a universe that has no mind, that is unguided, through random processes created you, created your brain, right? Yes, it did. Then it's, since it doesn't have a mind and it's unguided through random processes, how can I trust anything that your mind even thinks? since you were created by a mindless universe. That, isn't that a logical question? That's a logical, philosophical uh, uh, statement right there. Ask him the question. Because you and I would never trust a computer that wasn't programmed by a programmer, correct? 
But they're saying, oh, the universe, unprogrammed, mindless, guideless, everything, but it created my brain. No, no, it didn't. It, it's an impossibility. Now, let me get into something. Remember the book I told you last week? Anybody remember? Okay, that book's a good book. I'm, I'm going to pull something out of that book and other books I've read, very same thing. Um, <clears throat> Do you guys know that they don't make alphabet cereal anymore? <laughs> Did anybody know this? I didn't know this. And I, had to, I went to look for some at Walmart. And people sell the old boxes for like 40 bucks. And I thought, the illustration isn't worth 40 bucks. So I thought I'd take a shot at Walmart yesterday. No, no alphabet cereal. And then I thought, maybe I'll just get any cereal and pretend like it's alphabet cereal. Put paper on it, write alphabet. Then I thought, well, that doesn't work. So let's pretend I have a box of alphabet cereal up here, okay? Anybody remember what alphabet cereal is? It's alphabet. It's, your, it's, the, it's the, the letters of the alphabet. Now, here's the illustration. Because Jesus calls all things to exist. And here's one of these big deals for me personally. Let's say you're 17 years old. Every one of us. How many go, I like that. Okay. You go down to breakfast. Your mother has already left for work. There's a box opened of alphabet cereal. And on the table with those letters from that box is spelled out to you, remember to make your bed before leaving for school. Mom. Ten words. Remember to make your bed before leaving for school. Spell out in alphabet cereal. Perfectly. Perfect line everything. Would you sit there and look at that and say, huh, that, that mindless, unguided box somehow fell over and randomly all the letters lined up perfectly and spelled out remember to make your bed before leaving for school mom would you believe that or would you believe someone with a mind like your mama got the letters out of there and spelled it out which would you believe which would you believe thank you thank you now here's my problem every one of us sitting here you have 10 trillion cells in your body. Did you know that? Trillion, 10 trillion. Every, every, and every one of those 10 trillion cells in your body possesses a word. Every one of them does. It's a word of mind-boggling length. It's the Human Genome Project. Do you know how many letters are in that long word in your, in your cell? Over 3 billion based out of four letters, the C-G-A-T, chemical elements. But there's a message in every cell coded perfectly, and it is over three billion letters long. Scientists look at that code in your cell over three billion letters long, and they go, oh, just random chance. That's how that happened. But you and I look at, you know, alphabet cereal. Remember to make your bed before leaving. Mom, we go, oh, no, that's a creative mind right there. Do you see my problem? You see why I can't buy into this evolution and, and the universe created itself? You see why? There's so much complexity. There's a word over three billion uh, letters long made up of four letters in every cell. Every cell, it's coded that way. The, <clears throat> the more and more you study it, and if you're a skeptic, atheist, or you, you've walked away from Christianity, 
Answer me, riddle me this. How is the universe so finely tuned for life? In so many ways. I don't get it. I don't get how you can't, people can't see it unless they don't want to see it. You walk along the beach and you see a heart with an arrow to it. And it says the letters DK plus SC, por vida. <laughs> what do you conclude? That a crab walked along there or sticks fell? Or what do you conclude? Either DK or SC wrote that in there with a the stick or their finger, right? You conclude that a mind did that, but then they look at the human cell over three billion letters and they go, oh, random chance. Uh, I can't buy it. I just can't buy it. That's why I have a hard time with these things when people say, just random chance. No, it's an impossibility. There, there, was, there was a creator. And by the way, when they say, say that, that, it's, that uh, it's random chance over three billion letters, and, and then they have the nerve to tell us Christians that we're irrational? When they look at these things and they don't want to see it, you know what the difference is? It's how you begin. Is your worldview materialistic, which is only physical, that's all you see, or do you begin with a worldview of God? That's really the whole, it boils down to that. Now, let me move on because I'm going to get, I'll get stuck on that one because it really gets my, chaps my hide, okay? Now, look at verse 4 and 5 of, of John chapter 1. It says this, In Him, Him is the Word, Jesus Christ. In Him was life. Now, in Jesus' life. Now, watch. And the life was the? The light of men. Now we see that Jesus is the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the? In the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Oh, now, what is John telling us? Listen closely. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you and I try to explain life without God, we will walk in darkness. That's exactly it. Thank you for saying it out loud there. If we try to explain life without God, we'll walk in darkness. C.S. Lewis said this. I love this quote. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Did you understand that? Or are you falling asleep? By the light of God, I understand everything. It gives me greater clarity. Listen. And I also think one of my jobs from here on out is just it's like a culture clash for me. I see what the scriptures say and I see the culture. And I still think a high percentage of Americans think right. I think it's a small percentage of trying to control our minds and our thinking and sway us and get us afraid to share the word of God for fear that we're going to be intolerant. We were talking about this in the room. You can be as intolerant as you want to be. If it goes against the word of God, lovingly you state what you believe. But the culture, what they're trying to push on us is crazier and crazier. I sit back sometimes and I think, how much crazier can we get? These ideas and things. But why? Why are they thinking so crazily? Why? They have no light. They have no light. They've rejected Jesus Christ. They've rejected the word. And if you don't have the light... You're going to interpret life any way you want to. It's going to be your own opinion. All these little dictators walking around, they're, 
their thinking has been darkened according to Romans 1. And if you ever want to see a commentary on what we're seeing, and, and this is not new, it's always been, whatever civilization, read Romans 1. It'll be the commentary on the whole thing. But we're watching a world that's guided by its own dark thinking. And like I said, I think there's still plenty of Americans, a higher percent of Americans, that think right. But all that's coming at you is controlled by a very few. And that's the way it's been. And it's been that way for decades, in case you have not wised up to that yet. Now, the third thing is this. Jesus, the Creator, took on a human body. Now, the Creator takes on a human body. Now, we're going to read verse 14 again. And we read it earlier, and it says this. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, <clears throat> the Word, who never came to be, because He always was, came to be human. The Word, who never came to be, because He always was, He had no beginning, He wasn't created, came to be human. That's amazing, isn't it? That here you have God and God inside a human body, God and man. <clears throat> now the question is somebody might throw at you is this he's both God and man how do you explain that well I can't and then somebody might say well I can't believe in something you can't explain really really I said this last week, and I've said part of it this week already, but I'll say it this week. <clears throat> when they say, I can't believe in something, you can't explain. Okay. Then you ask them, tell me what gravity is. And I always say with gravity, because that way you'll remember. Tell me what gravity is. And they will say, well, it keeps you on earth. No, no, I didn't ask you to tell me what it does. I should tell me what it is. Every scientist on the planet, if they're honest, they cannot tell you what gravity is. They know what it does, but they can't tell you what it is. If they're honest. If they're honest. But you think about gravity. I can't explain it, but I use it, don't I? Don't I? I can't explain how God and man exist in that same body. I can't explain it, but I can sure use the benefits of it, right? 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 I can see how it's affected my life for the better, correct? I can, I can do those things. Those are logical, rational uh, arguments that you can use when you talk to people. Now, let, let, let's drive this baby home this way. <clears throat> Why did the Creator come? Why did the Creator, Jesus Christ, come and take on a human body? Why did He do that? He does it all because, number one, He loves us, but He came to give us spiritual rebirth. Let's go back to verse 12 and 13, and it says this. But as many as... I want you to read... I'm sorry, sorry. Here we go. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man but of but of God ah that's right so 
So now we find that we must receive Him. We must put our faith in Him. And as I said earlier, we will never be good enough. Now, I don't mean to make you feel bad, but no matter, and I'm sure you guys are good, some of you are good people, but no matter how good we are, we still are kind of bad, right? And if you're not sure about that, I got a challenge for you. This week only, every second of the day, you walk around with the mindset and keep telling yourself, I, I, I'm going to be good this week, I'm going to be good. And then you'll find out how bad you really are, right? If you're focused on trying to be good all week long, then take notice of your thinking process, of what you do, then you're going to find out how bad you really are. And so would I. When you try to be good, you're going to find out how bad you are. And you're going to find out how much you fall short and how much I fall short of God. We needed a Savior to come to earth, correct? Correct. Now, <clears throat> if you put your faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. Now watch this. Colossians 1.16 says, For by Him all things were created. Him is Jesus. Both in the heavens and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and, and for him. Mm, you were created for him. That means you gain your ultimate meaning through him. You can have a certain extent of meaning, but ultimate meaning is through him. Now, Revelation 4.11, a verse I like to keep throwing at you is this one. Worthy are you, our Lord, and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. Remember, I've told you before, I'll tell you again, I'll tell you in the future. Why are you here? Why are you here? Alive. Why are you alive right now? Some of you teach your kids. You got to teach your kids this. When they ask, why am I here? You say, you use a verse like that, but you pin it on yourself first. You say, I'm here because God willed it. God wanted me. He created me. God wanted you. You tell your kids, they ask you, why am I here? You tell them, because I wanted you. I created you. Because I wanted you. That's why every human on this planet, that's why you're here. Because God wanted you. And in God... You find your ultimate meaning there. He came back for his creation 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, to die on a cross for his creation. God did that. The creator. The creator. The word. The light. He came back. And if you're here this morning or watching me online or months down the road watching this as a replay... God came for you, Jesus Christ, the only God. And he came to die on a cross for you. He shed his blood, carried your sins and mine because we couldn't be good enough. None of us could for you and for me. And he's the doorway to eternity. This life is not all there is. 
Like I said earlier, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I am a king of a different realm, an eternal realm. There's a soul inside of you. You're not just a mind or a brain like they're trying to put forth today. Just different elements and synapses, and that's why you might feel love or make this decision. No, you are a soul, which they can't even explain what that is. You are unique. You're God's highest creation. And the creator came back for you, Jesus, the God-man. And I'm going to give you an opportunity if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Or if you backslid and you walked away from God, it's time to come back. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. So I'm going to have everybody close their eyes right now. Jesus, I just pray, Lord, as we see that, that something created this universe from the get-go, and we believe that's God, we believe the Bible is true, that science backs it up. And this creator, Jesus, you're the word that came. You came looking for us. You came back for us, to, and you carried our sins on that cross. You came back for your creation. And friend, you are that creation. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then today could be the day. I hope it is. Or if you backslid and you walked away from God, it's time to come back. Because the Creator came looking for you. He came back. Now, if you'd like to place your faith in Jesus, meaning trust Him with your life, acknowledge that He is God, Lord, Savior, Messiah, the only one. Good. Or you backslid. You want to come back. Good. But I'm going to ask you to do one thing as a sign between you, me, and God right now. Correction. I'm going to ask you to say this prayer. Whether in this place or watching online or later on down the road. I want everybody in this room to repeat it out loud after me. It's a prayer of faith. You just have to believe in Jesus as you say it. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me enough to die for me. Thank you for coming back for me to save me. You created me, and now I want to follow you my creator I put all my trust in you as my Lord, Savior, and Messiah my God thank you for saving me thank you that I'm born again thank you Jesus now let me pray let me pray God I pray for anybody who said that prayer in all earnesty. Earnestness. Spirit of God, you dwell in them now. The light lives in them. And I pray you begin to see clearly now. Study the word of God. Read it. Stay in the New Testament for a couple years. And see what God says. See what God says. 
And let your mind be washed clean by that, so you may think that way. Not go with the latest opinions in society. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, God. Thank you for saving people. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen and Amen. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.